Ladies and gentlemen, hang on to your hat, episode 29, and we are stoked to have Uncle Jack Charles in the studio with us today. Bad Daddy, you're a naughty boy. These days, fatherhood is everywhere. You can't get away from it. Not the blokes haven't tried. If you're not a father, you've got a father. You're a son of a dad or a daughter of a bloke. But either way, being a dad is no picnic. The fear, the anger, the confusion and, well, the love, of course. (laughs) Derek Myers and Dan Lee, together with their special guests, are here to share the highs and lows, the joys and the agony of being a modern dad. But most of all, to let you know that you're not alone. (laughs) There's the scream. There it is. Kicks us off every single time. Yeah. Uncle Jack. Wow, what a great introduction. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, uh, thrilled to be on your podcast here. And, uh, yep. And, uh, I'm not a dad myself. But you are the But I'm the grandfather of Indigenous Theatre, yeah. you know, and uh, father to most and that, you know, yeah. that are struggling. Yeah. And even to my friends, fans and family. Yeah. So, um, yes, it's... Um, 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 my, you know, I've uh, grown up, you know, t- totally ignorant of my uh, heritage because yeah. it was denied and hidden. And um, I must say, years of uh, jail time and drugs and addiction and that had to distract me from undertaking seriously the journey of discovering who do I think I am, like the television show. Yeah. So we of the Stolen have been undertaking that journey yeah. one way or another. But uh, because of Bastardy the Docker, it uh, led to, you know, more challenging things for me, mm. you know, to uh, to take myself more seriously, my indigeneity seriously. Mm. And um, I believe that, um, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm an actor and I'm often um, placed in a position where I have to act like a father figure. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on here. Apart yeah. from the fact that I just love talking to you anyway and hearing, yeah. I've had the great privilege with Uncle Jack of him being in my my first play, Bottomless. Um, Bottomless, yeah. and and I drove you to rehearsals quite a few times. I was yeah. offering you, but the, the 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 sort of my ulterior motive too was that I just loved being in the car with you yes, and yes, hearing yes. <laughs> hearing Maybe stories. So. You were like a young daddy to me. Hit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. me up from home. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So and I and I think of you as a as a um as a as a kind of father figure, a community father, an elder for for Aboriginal people, but also for for everyone. Uh, people yeah. who've had addiction problems, yep. people yes, with yes, yes. identity issues in general, homeless, homeless um, case, yeah, young yeah. gay people. Yep. You, know, yeah. you know, you know, you've got such a wealth of kind of uh, a story and life to to help people feel at ease, or, or, or at least help them to put their own story into. Yes, yeah, be comfortable with their own, with their, with yeah. themselves. You know? Which is so vital. When yes, yes. Well, you know, always the, the the element that's been missing in our modern day society is that in indigenous society in the old days, uh, all the men were the fathers of the young one. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could be your uncle, you could be your cousin, or not you know, uh, related in that fashion. But if you're a member of the tribe and in a male and uh, you have young ones that have been delivered to you at 15 yeah. uh, or 14 from the women to go up to Hillsville from down here, Victoria, I mean down here in Melbourne and that, to go and learn law up in the hills and mm-hmm. etc. So every, all the men were becoming father figures like the women were the uh, aunties, all the aunties and sisters Older sisters were uh, the mothers. So, the so children. young boys particularly had yep. this collection of, collection ma- of, of male mentors and, and role models. Yeah, yeah, and role models. Yeah, which we don't have now. No, no, we don't have you now. Know? No, and no. Yeah, I think that's that's a big problem, and I think we'll we'll end it's up. It's the nuclear back family, to... isn't it? Yeah. Something like that. You know, it makes great sense yeah. that because it takes away trauma, the, the effect of trauma. Yeah, yeah. If you're if your biological dad dies yeah, right. when you're young, yeah. then it's you know these days it, you, people go oh hopefully everything's all right, but that could set this kid off on a, a you know 
a bad journey. Well, and having no art, no one else because yeah. there's yeah because yeah. because of lack of male role models and all yeah. that. So yeah. the the reason that ancient cultures simply did this made good sense. Yeah. And terrible, uh, we're going way. into Parliament recently in um, in uh, having uh, passed a, or been tabled the legislation, the new legislation to decriminalise, expunge criminal records. Oh, yeah. uh, certain criminal records within a space of three, five, and ten years, and that um, in um, uh, the business of um, some fathers having criminal records, right, uh, that makes it impossible for them uh, for them to connect to uh, uh, the children that were taken by the Department of uh, uh, Human Services Child Protection. Ah, right. And so, uh, when a uh, a man is in the right position and goes out purposely seeking those children that have been delivered to white families Mm. in particular. We try and place them, ACA, Aboriginal Child Care Agents, try and place them into uh, family, you know, uh, Aboriginal family, related family homes and that. uh, We need more family homes for uh, many of the lost, uh, young lost souls and that. So I've got great, great nieces and nephews that are struggling at the moment, yeah, because um, there's no um, uh, father figure in their lives other than uh, under a white foster parent and some foster people. Look, look, I know there are many foster people that do a, a stellar job in raising these kids, giving them an education, yeah. stabilizing their lives, and that. But the missing element in these people's lives, these young ones' lives, is that uh, they're distracted from their indigeneity, their connection yeah. to community, culture, and um, law, Aboriginal law, really. Yeah. So it's, the, uh, it's, uh, it's a big job, but um, Parliament's uh, up for, uh, you know, for this notion. Mm. Uh, it's part of the treaty processes mm. that we in Victoria are undertaking with the Daniel Andrews government. The idea, we feel in Victoria, not to wait for the federal government, but to have our own little compact, our own little parlay, you know, <laughs> with the government. And it's been working. Really? So oh, they, yes, it's been working, on. you know, yes, yes, yes. I've, I've yet, to, as a father myself, a father figure, mm. you know, my job is to uh, place um, in the missing elements in our lives, uh, reconstitute uh, community hubs, yeah, centres, yeah. where elders can go and be accessed by younger ones, not only by uh, Indigenous younger ones and older ones there even, but by um, 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 Somalians, people that have sought sanctuary here, those Mm -hmm. young ones that are wandering around aimlessly in our communities, doing jail time with our people too. So it it stands to reason that we open up our doors if we develop community hubs to all that are struggling and that um, I like the idea of the original JC, come unto me, all you who are suffering and weary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, look, with... with yeah, I like the original I JC. I am JC, exactly. the second coming. <laughs> Brown like the original one, you know. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not a blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Uh, Jesus. Beautiful Spanish man with a twinkle in his eye. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's look with the growing mental illness in all parts of society, you know, and and it's getting becoming clearer and clearer that it's lack of community, it's it's lack of mentorship and connection with yeah. culture and and elders. Like, yeah. like elders in all communities are terribly wasted, frankly. Yeah. Like yeah. I, we, we're very keen to have our grandparents or the, our parents close to the kids mm. as they as they grow up yeah. so that they can hear well it's just obvious really yes yeah, yeah. well can... i mean uh, that television show four year olds with the old people oh, that's been working it. a hoot and yeah. i had a gig at that i had a captain cook at that i had a good look at it and it's uh i really i was delighted with that yeah. show it's a lovely idea. yeah it's a great idea <laughs> yeah and and kids get it's it once you see that in practice yeah. it's hard to believe how that's just been let go of you know that we we, there's so many older people that just are isolated we're useless yeah they feel useless and unwanted and then then families and kids are getting increasingly mentally ill and are having little sort of emotional backup and support it seems obvious that we need to reunite 
people, you know. And yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's that aware. There's that awareness that uh, there's an awareness. I think that helps when you can see foresee something coming generation generationally. If you know yeah. what I mean. Like my, uh, I came here in 1972 as a nuclear family. Mm. That was it. From Scotland. Right, from Scotland. Mm. So I didn't – I think about it now that we're talking about it, but I didn't think about it in my 20s and 30s nah, or nah, when I started nah. having kids. But I I wasn't exposed to old people. Yeah. None at all. Because yeah. your grandparents were still over they there. Were, they were mystery people somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I didn't yeah. think about what my parents went through mm. when they had to go over and yeah. to, to bury their – to bury their parents mm. it was like I don't yeah. even know these people, sort of thing. It yeah. kind of sounds harsh, but yeah. uh, but that, the, then you think, oh my god, now my my oldies are old, old, so the kids so aren't that, really hanging out with them that much. That linear that line is broken, as with mm. like with stolen yeah. generation, it's totally yeah, broken. in the home. There were no real father figures, yeah, except for Father Christmas every year, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, you the father the figures home? were you know doing the wrong things of a night to us. Yeah, etc. Yeah. So um, yeah, that um, when you say in the home, hey? this is where you where you in grew the Box up. Hill Boys' home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, um, I grew up uh, without any sense of fathership. Uh, I remember when the young queen came through. You know, when I at the Box Hill station there, uh, waving me Union Jack like Billy O and that, you know, <laughs> screaming me tits off like the rest of the. The kids yeah. lining up and that, and uh, you know, um, I kind of thought of her as me mum and uh, Big Phil the Greek, me dad, and the Queen Mama, <laughs> bless yeah. her, me nana. So that's how whitewashed I was. And, wow! You know, <laughs> and uh, so I, I did see Phil the Greek as my dad. Yeah, yeah. You know, in one wow. sense, but there was um, there was um, a teacher there who uh, who did take me under his wing, and the headmaster also. Of the uh, state school that was built on the in the home SS four one five one, I remember it well. Yeah, you know, I um, I like going to school and that. So, but I was often sent out to do the gardening to grow chrysanthemums, right, and etc. Um, uh, but I got a you know a semblance of an education there. It wasn't until I was doing my jail years that I got you know my third, fourth, fifth, sixth, fourth and sixth, fifth and sixth, and that you know. Mm. Uh, and a proper education and that in jail, you know. Mm. But in the in uh, in the boys' home, there was uh, an old fella there, a teacher who taught me that uh, twelve pennies made a diner, a bob, a shilling, yeah. and that, and um, taught me uh, the monetary system, and also um, um, uh, gave me elocution lessons, mm. and um, you know, so we connected. Very, you know, uh, easily and very quickly, and uh, that's why I left that home. You know, speaking the Queen's English uh, mm, much mm. better than most people. Yeah. yeah what about yeah. the re- what was the what about the rest of the the boys in the home? No, how, how did it go statistically? My fellow sufferers, uh, fellow. Well, I, they, they were my first uh, in reflection. Now, uh, uh, they were my first and foremost siblings, mm. really. Mm. I was the only registered Aboriginal kid there, but now I, I got to realise, looking at the names of some of them, that some of them were Aboriginal, but they weren't registered right. as Aboriginals, and we were there to be assimilated. Yeah. And that. So if they'd have placed in another kid as dark as me and as registered as an Aboriginal, the, uh, the assimilation project would have been... A, fa- a, sa- a failed social experiment in the fir- you know, from from the get go, because you would have we would have talked in that you know as it was yeah. uh, as it was divide um, and conquer yeah 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 oh. well as it was there was a story that went on in the fifties where, where mum was charged with the murder of of a certain person up in a black fella camp she was very strongly now i got to understand the full story i've only got that in the last uh, mm. 3 years the full story mm. what went on the transcript of the high court in 1958 clearly my mum of that murder oh wow there was no reasoning behind the murder though the motive i've got to understand what it was mum was called in that blackfella camp up in griffiths mm. uh the sergeant 
She mm. was called a Sarge. So all the old ones up in Redfern and Dubbo and Orange tell me that your mum was, you know, highly regarded and she was called a Sarge. And that, but at that blackfella camp, she pulled the meeting together. She called a yeah. meeting of this man's behaviour towards the children in the camp and other men's women's mm. and that. And um, uh, this was the last of the Wiradjuri mob, mm. the last to be contained, controlled, defeated, uh, with the assistance of the Victorian Native Police Force who were trained up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my great-great-grandfather, Johnny Charles and William Barak were members of it, Simon Wonga. Yeah. You know, so it's a weird story to be, yeah. you know, to get all this information, you know, practically into your dotage and that, you know, to discover that yeah, yeah, your great-great-grandfather, Johnny Charles, was a member of the Victorian Native Police Force. And that's it. I yeah. have weird dreams now, but he was up there so to quell the to warring the, the enemy. Eh? Are they considered to be like, historically bad? Or? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, historically bad. Okay, oh, yes, yes. Well, they were set up to kill. Oh, God. They were doing uh, the They, they were set up them. to kill yeah. the uh, the blacks who wouldn't move oh, if a uh, property, uh, if a uh, white fellow wanted a certain piece of property with a creek and all that and touched a tree, you know, this is mine, you know. Mm. Yeah, you need to move on. If they didn't move on, they had uh, the edict from Governor Macquarie up in New South Wales. If they don't leave, shoot them. Wow. So well, there were massacres and uh, with yeah. the aid and assistance of the Victorian Native Police Force, you know, they were... I've got the full story. I read somebody's thesis many years ago from Melbourne University. Mm. That was the beauty of being able to hide in plain sight when I broke the law. It was always good to hide at Melbourne University. Yeah. Because I always knew the common go. jacks weren't allowed on the yeah. oh, okay. property. I knew I knew that. You know. <laughs> Sit under a tree and smoke a joint and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, or go into Bayou Library as you could in <laughs> oh, those yeah. days, you know. What era would that have been? What year? Sixties. Sixties. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So and seventies and that, you know, and uh, you know, right up to the eighties because Foley's uh, you know, uh, Aboriginal unit was there too, so it was yeah. uh, I had more reason to be there. Yes. You know, because I was an Aboriginal of high intelligence and extremely good looks. Yeah. And that, and people wanted to access <laughs> well me as much as Foley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, no, but, you... yeah, I, I, you know, you know, being, you know, as I like to say now, the last surviving grandfather of Indigenous theatre, you know, I uh, worked a lot in the Union Theatre, did a few plays there in the old days. And um, it... Um, um, and then I worked with Pram Factory. Yeah. You know? So the National Black Theatre with Bob Mazza was before yeah, no, that, that though, went up it? in Sydney. He, he, yeah. yeah, I gave him half the money to set that one up. Yeah. Uh, we set up down here, and then suddenly I was called away to... Uh, I didn't really know how to set up a theatre and that, you know. Yeah. We had enough money to do two shows, you know. And... Um, um, uh, Brumby Innes was the first one performed. We used some of the cast members. Dennis Miller that plays the cop in Bellbird. Right. And many others in Bellbird uh, in the cast. Um, in Brumby Innes, Catherine Susanna Pritchard's Brumby Innes. Right. And then Bob said, well, we should write something ourselves, Jack. So we wrote a series of comedy sketches, much like the stuff that I was doing with the new theatre Remember, they were commonly called the Pink Theatre, and so we'd uh, be sending up the government of the day, Bob Dyer, yeah. Box, Barry Jones and all that, and I had this wonderful deep voice. Yeah. Sending Charlie was at Gordon's Town down in Geelong at the time, you know, so we were sending him up gutlessly and that, and they were <laughs> trying to convince me to join the Communist Party. You know? uh, I, I do remember that distinctly. They, uh, they were trying to educate me politically. Right. But yeah. it, it failed. I was totally <laughs> ignorant and that, you know, what's a comma, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but at one stage, you know, uh, I was nearly talked into, you know, by the older older, older elders of uh, the new theatre to, yeah. uh, you know, go over to uh, do a, uh, a university, Le Mombe University, to study quantity surveying. I wanted to do at one right. stage. okay. 19, but, you know. 
strange things never knew what never found out what quantity surveying was yeah, <laughs> it was definitely Ethel the aardvark goes quantity surveying it was quantity some kind surveying of, is that yeah. Monty Python counting all the nuts and bolts <laughs> is that what it is yes yes it, right. the man hours and the people uh, that are you know that are you know that it takes to, to build a building yeah yeah right and then I, I thought that was a fantastic job right you know <laughs> Is that, that's a, it's an interesting look. You had to count. To, you had to learn to count. Yeah, from that to theatre, though, you know. Eh? From that to theatre. And from that a, to theatre, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, it, um, uh, now, you know, you know, I have a, an urge, if I'm in interstate, to drop in to, yeah. um, you know, to if I'm in New South Wales, uh, to drop into... Um, um, uh, Bangara and yeah, you know, even yeah. Sydney Theatre Company to have a squeeze and see what they're doing, Belvoir. Yeah. And that, um, uh, and always uh, going into Redfern and looking at that empty plot mm. where the National Black Theatre was. Yeah, right. In uh, Redfern. So what happened to it? Did it, did um, it, it, um, it failed. Foley did, and Gary and uh, Bob Mazur tried to make a go of it, but funding yeah. was limited in those days. They only funded us for. Two shows down here. Yeah, it was lucky for me that uh, you know I was able to do those two shows. Yeah, uh, uh, Brumby uh, uh and um, Jack Charles, who's up and fighting that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, but then I was called to do the Ben Hall series too. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then you you had that amazing story in the book about doing Ben along naked. Oh, yes, at, yeah, at yes, the Sydney yeah. Opera House at because the, <laughs> the girls weren't getting paid. I was so, so, so pissed off. Hang on, what, what <laughs> was that? Oh, yes, yeah, no. Uh, and this is what a father figure does, even though I knew little oh, yeah. of my own indigeneity at that time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, 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 and I had never visited Redfern. Um, and uh, I didn't know how powerful the blacks were. The Eora and Gadigal people were in Sydney. I'd never been welcome to country. I was um, the hot shot black actor from Melbourne, brought up, uh, you know, to um, to the Sydney Opera House to play uh, Benelong in uh, Cradle of Hercules, written by Michael Body, and uh, and David Galpilil was brought in from Manningrida, mm. and six girls from Redfern. Mm. And um, and I felt very fatherly too because by the end of the rehearsal period, they came up to me, these girls, and they said, Mr Charles, we've just been told that we're not going to be paid the performance money. We're to remain on the rehearsal money. And I said, oh, God, girl, good gracious, that sounds wrong to us. Exactly those words? That's, yes, yes. That's, that's, that sounds wrong. Yes, Mr. Chuck, can you speak to them for us, please? I certainly will. We are ex, all ex-New Theatre people here, the old Tote Theatre, before Sydney Theatre Company this was. Mm. So this was the Sydney New Theatre mob with a member of the Melbourne New Theatre mob, you know, up there. Mm. And um, there were three, three main chapters, Sydney, Melbourne and uh, Castlemaine. So all these people from these, uh, the pink theatres, <laughs> they were commonly called because of their left-wing leanings. Yeah. Okay. And that, funded by Neos Cosmos down here, the Greek uh, communist magazine in yeah. Russell Street at the time and that, you know. So, uh, so I went to them and I said, oh, well, it's unfair, girls, well, I will, I'll talk to them. I don't think that's right, you know. And my mind was saying, we are new theatre people, for Christ's sake, you know. Even the, the cleaner gets the same money at the from the door yeah. as the actors. And that, if it come, comes to that, you know. Yeah. So uh, I went to them and they said, oh, Jack, they're casuals. And they said, well, I'm casual, you know, even though they did have me for two two plays and uh, Galpalil for one and that, you know. Uh, and they said, no, no, it, it's unfair. You know, I can't uh, uh, do the show because uh, uh, these girls have complained to me and they're not happy and uh, this is not my country. Mm. I knew enough to say that at least, yeah. you know. And they left it at the 11th hour and I was drinking very heavily then, you know. So um, 
they they waited until the eleventh hour and says, "All right, Jack, uh, we will pay them the same amount of money as the seventeen old Tote Theatre members, myself and Galpalil." I said, "Well, that's good, you know, but I'm pissed off. I've already packed a dog in the bags and that to go back to <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I'm going to play Ben along naked, buggers, <laughs> just like that, you know, and uh, and I." Oh, they, they tried to dissuade me, you know, uh, the Sydney Opera House Trust Board of Trust came down to try to persuade me not to and <laughs> the old Tote Theatre board members tried to say, no, no, I'm the actor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was being painted by Janet Dawes, Michael Body's uh, wife, in her garage, naked. Yeah. You know, so I was getting used to being naked in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Getting into the swing of things. Yeah. Pardon the pardon. Yeah. <laughs> she cropped it. It's in some some studio somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so not many people have been naked in the opera house. On the opera house stage. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it was a hoot. Uh, you know, I got a standing ovation the story, on though? the opening I mean, obviously night. you weren't playing the part of a... Huh? Someone who, who, who working in an office or something like that. Did it work with the story? Oh, yes, it worked well. I had to be... Uh, Shaved and dumped, jumped, dumped into a tin bucket with water. Okay. It was a really strange story because uh, um, um, I um, had told Galpalil that I was going to do Ben along naked and that, you know, <laughs> and that, you know, so, okay, you know. And, uh, did he just go? So we did yeah, a little bit of rehearsal on it. I came down from the dressing room with me willy dangling, ready to go <laughs> on stage, and uh, he must have seen something that he didn't like, so he wore his. He's, uh, he's whatever they call it, you know. Yeah. He wore that to cover up himself. And I said, why aren't you doing this? And he, he spoke very little English at this time. Wow. You know, you know and, um, you know, uh, really, Galpalil was uh, the man most responsible for putting Indigenous people onto the map of Exotica. Yeah. We were still considered vermin in those days. Still are. We are still the most despised, distrusted people on the continent. Yeah. And that's but Galpil said, You no man. I took you know, pissed off with this. You know, what do you mean I'm not a man? You know, buggy. We're on the side of the stage ready to go on. And that, you know. <laughs> Two big fellas in blue in you know, red tunics. Officers about to pick me up and dump you know, take me on stage and dump me in the bucket and that, you know. And uh and I started arguing with him, you know. So, what do you mean I'm not a man, you know? So, so the stage manager taps me on the shoulder, a gay fella, and he says, Jack, I think I know what's happening here. I think I know what's happening here, Jack. Look, go and do your thing, and when you come off, I'll tell you what I suspect that's happened here. <laughs> All right, so I went back, you know, I did my thing, you know, came off and... Uh, you know, so what? Yeah, and he said, "Well, Jack, I think he's doing that out of respect for you." What do you mean? Well, it's plainly obvious, Jack. You haven't been initiated. So this is on the side of the stage. Oh. So this strange conversation kept going. You know, I said, "Well, I'll skin it back." <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "No, but Jack, the waters look cold. By the by, the time you get there, it'll be cold. It'll plop back in." <laughs> So we have this strange conversation, yeah. you know. So. A strange cultural uh, thing going on. <laughs> cultural thing going on, you know. Yeah. I know of many people, you know, men, that have um, gone out of uh, their way to go back to community to have it undertaken, even yeah. a split one. Wow. Oh, that really That's hurts. Be when you're 35 and you've gone back, oh. South Australian blacks, to undertake that, Kind of initiation with your willy, mate, you know. Because there is one that's quite full on of splitting, isn't there? Yes, yes, yes. It's not just circumcision. Yes, yes. Yeah, I thought they're terribly brave, you know. No, 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 no. No, I couldn't do that myself. Definitely shows the dedication to get in touch with you. Yes, yes. So I'm a man in more, you know, in other ways. You know. I um, don't feel like stripping naked when I go to the top end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Fair I wonder uh, too, like with, with I was talking to someone about the, um, young men going through law and stuff like that and, and just that, that you then get put into your place in the community and, and you have responsibilities well, yes, and, and all yes. that stuff and, and how, you know, the lack of that these days in, in 
white society and probably a lot of Aboriginal society in the city, you know, like yeah. b- being um, given at a certain age responsibilities and, and have to be made accountable yeah. for stuff has got to be good for keeping people Well, the older boys always secure. looked after the younger ones. Yeah. You know, the older boys were, uh, were uh, you know, had undertaken uh, certain elements of uh, law mm. up in the mountains and um, uh, they were on trust. Right. To take the younger ones on their own initiative without oversight by by the rest of the uh, elders mm. or the men, uncles, cousins and um, dads and that. So the younger uh, ones were looked after by the older boys that were were closely finishing. They would be 17, 18 mm. and that. But you grabbed at 14, 15 from the women to start this process. And that. So, um, so uh, there's a continuity of, sort yeah. of support for each other, and yeah. which just doesn't exist. Uh, no, 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 no. So uh, yeah. we it's it, it's difficult to try to get back to basics like this. Sure. Yeah, and I believe through a uh, uh, there are many programs, especially in New South Wales, and I feel, think some top end people have developed programs where young ones, mere boys, mm. uh, are being taken out bush and um, they're relishing the life yeah. in the bush, riding horses, uh, yeah. you know, uh, herding cattle and uh, being rouseabouts and that, something out of the city, getting back to their basics, like much like my I did when I left mum. And, uh, you know, I found I went up at, um, for a Christmas holiday. I thought I'd kill two birds with one stone. Played, had my Christmas holiday, three week break, and uh, fly up to Swan Hill and play the Prodigal Son, mm. and that you know. So I did that with the assistance of my boss, Help Pamphlet, who paid for the flight. He knew what I was doing, mm. and uh, remember having this is there's the element of uh, my understanding of how you know uh, families in uh, family uh, indigenous family setups. Coming into Collingwood Fitzroy, you know, when I was uh, nearly 17, finishing off my apprenticeship at the behest of the boys at work, you know, a lot of you black fellas over in Collingwood Fitzroy, Jack, go and see for yourself, you know. So I'd been working steadily with these fellas in the glass beveling factory mm. and they were educating me the ways of the world. They were returned soldiers from... from uh, um, 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 Egypt and the okay. Kokoda, World War Two, yeah. and they came back to their places from which which they left to fight the war. Yep, those that are returned, you know, those that survived. Yeah, and so they taught me. You know, I was always interested in the war years and these these guys' lives. So uh, we had a good rapport, and they did con me into going over to Fitzroy. And of course, soon as I uh, got into Collingwood Fitzroy and jumped off the tram, an old fella pulled me up and accuses me very loudly, very scary, I shat myself, of being Blanche Charles's boy, you know. So you <laughs> straight, straight out like away, that, he God. said, that's it. And I said, wow, that was a yeah. shock. You know, who's Blanche Charles? Yeah. Is that my mum, you know? Well, I didn't ask that, you know, but he grabs me and he hugs me and he kisses me, this old fella, and then he takes me into the builder's arms. And so it was another world. Every face in the place seemed to be black. And uh, many of them rushed up to introduce themselves to me when they found out that I was Jackie Charles. Wow. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah Blanchy Charles's boy. You know, so they right. say, oh, I'm your uncle and I'm your cousin and that, you know, I'm your auntie and that. Uh, so you <laughs> so went from no, con- no, no understanding no, or contact no, to just... No concept, you know. But I, I had this sneaking suspicion there were some things that happened in the boys' home yeah. that led to me to believe that I did have family. But this was, a, you know, a real shock, a surprise. Yeah. You know, one old lady croaked, oh, your mum, she's living up in Swan Hill, young Bella. You should go and be her. Oh, will I tell her first chance I get? Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember I got home late that night to Mrs Murphy and she jumped on the door stoop. Joy, oh, joy, mum. I've just found mum. 
Yeah. I expected her to share my joy. I wrote it in the play. It was such a great story. Yeah. I expected her to share my story, but no such luck. She wrangled the story out of me, my night in a Fitzroy pub, being recognised as a child, but worse still, my pay packet ripped open and a third of it spent. Oh, yeah. riled to no end, she comes at me. Those people will tell you anything. Yeah, well, I believed them, I say, raising my hand. Am I going to hit her? I do see the fright in her eyes. Get to bed, she hisses, before backing off. And no sooner had I backed off when she called me to put on my pyjamas when she calls me to the front door. And a police divvy wagon's parked in the drive and I am driven over to Royal Park Home for Juvenile Offenders. I was a ward of the state, a child of the Crown and would have been until I'm 18 and that woman I've called mum had deemed me unruly, disobedient. So for the crime of going into Collingwood Fitzroy, you know, uh, earning top money practically, nearly finishing off The Apprentice. My apprenticeship as a glass beveler earned me a jail term. And it became the first of a series, many, you know, 22 times in jail. But the Mm. contrast of that day. Yes, yes. Unbelievable Unbelievable. to have that moment. The most memorable, before yeah. I was just going, wow, the most memorable day of your life. Yeah. That would be, I, I assume, unless there's plenty more, but but um, that's insane. And wow. that's beyond comprehension by to get into that pub and have people and just have yeah. suddenly just wake up to the. Yeah, I didn't family. drink, so I dived into that pay packet and I shouted a few beers and I had yeah. a lemon squash yeah, myself. Yeah. yeah. And that, <laughs> and then just turn around and yeah, just yeah. get that. Did you never see Mrs. Murphy again? Uh, no, I went. Uh, no, I went back to get my state school oh, bank. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, my state uh, bank book, and that. And she said never to come back here again. She didn't want to see me Isn't again. That extraordinary. But I have been up there. Yeah. You know, when we were, uh, Miller and I were travelling around to yeah. places of where I'd been. Yeah. The church up in Blackburn and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Following the old trail on that, you know. Um, we we parked outside the house, 10 Tier 11 you. Yeah. And there's been a block of flats that were had been built opposite. Right. And then a fella came out of the, one of the flats and he spots me. Oh, Jack, oh, good to see you here, Jack. <laughs> yes, I'm known or even there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I, I looked, it didn't look any different than... Uh, when I had lived there. Really? Yes, didn't look any different. Wow. Must have been amazing going around seeing all these places. It is. Again. It is going around. I obviously yeah. like doing it. I, as a matter of fact, I ride my bike through Turak and Q uh, yeah. just to have a squeeze at all those places I'd uh, that have felt my wrath. Yes. <laughs> Jack was burgling around Q and... and uh, that's the place Turex, to do it, really. Call, call it, calling it collecting the rent. Call it yeah. collecting the rent because, ironically, <laughs> it, it was on mum's land on the other side of the well, Yarra there. Well, oh, that's the extraordinary thing in the book, too, about, about how you didn't realise that at the time. No, but no. you later find out that that was actually your mother's country anyway. Yeah. Let's, let's mention this book now. Yeah. J- it's a good time. Jack's biography, uh, Born it's Again Blackfellow, that's just come out, which is just fantastic. And your voice is so... Present, it's there, eh? Luckily, Almost I know you well. Storyteller, yeah, and I, I haven't heard the the your um, or, um audio book yet, which no. would be, be great. But I could hear your voice yes, all yes. the way through. Yeah, no, people who know me, yeah, people that had seen Varsity, the documentary, yeah. Well, people that had seen me written up in the newspapers, movie star turns to burglary, you know, yeah. <laughs> people who had watched me as a you know favoured busker, actor busker, down yeah. on hard times. Singing for money for to support his drug habit at Spencer Street, Fender Street, and the mall, and all that kind of stuff. People knew me, and uh, I became endeared to Melburnians because I was an actor, and they'd seen me. They knew my story that I had started the Modern Black Theatre with Bob Mazza, mm. and there he was down on his luck, that unemployed, and that, and um, uh, struggling with an addiction, and that. Uh, so. Uh, I thought people were were on my side, and I was a known entity in Melbourne. Mm. So it um, it stands to reason that um, many of them would line up to come and see Bastardy the Doco. They lined up around the block. We had yeah. to have two premiere nights in two thousand and eight at the mm. Melbourne International Film Festival. I love the the fact that uh, a Melbourne International Film Festival just 
dust the film off and me and bring me in to, you know, to see <laughs> you, it and you, screen and talk about your it. Your story is, is like, I know you're JC and all, but it's, it's, it's a biblical story. You know, like it goes through all of these different movements and, 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 and all the things you've been through and then coming through bastardy and getting clean and becoming an elder and yeah. being respected and doing all this work. It's, it's this epic, extraordinary and, story. And, uh, yeah, people that notice people can... that I've, you know, got a smile on my face and I talk, mm. you know, that I, I don't have, uh, don't, I don't hold any grudges and that, you know. Mm. But I am, a, you know, a, a manipulator. You know, we are, <laughs> all are in some mm. sense. Mm. And you tell these stories too to try and foster or generate some right. sense of shame in, in some people. I've already done my shame job. Mm. You know, I went through the Mullamari Pro, program delivered by Auntie Lorraine Peters and her daughter at the Loddon Jail yeah. uh, just before I left. And that, and that uh, woke within me, you know, a sense of pride in uh, my lost heritage that I would uh, come out and uh, discover more. But I would also play... Uh, the ultimate role ever of being a Smith Street Strips Featherfoot Kadaicha man, yeah. law man. And I would go up against my so-called, you know, the would-be, could-be gangster cousins, a certain clan family name I won't mention over the radio. Okay. Mm. Out of respect for them and that, you know, because they have changed their ways with me now, you know, because I was going up against them and they give me a hard time for a year calling me a dog, you know, um, How long ago was this? Uh, just uh, 2006, uh, um, um, Okay, so still... The year where I was finishing off the docker, the two years that I was finishing off the docker, um, undertaking the uh, leadership skills program, yep. uh, doing all kinds of measures to, uh, to, um, uh, to convince uh, Aboriginal Affairs Minister Dickie Wynne that uh, I am... I'm a serious contender in the humanities. You know, I want to uh, grab the old Victorian Aboriginal Health Service and develop, reconstitute it as a, as the uh, Nindabaya Workshop Mark II. But this time, we would run it with honesty and integrity. And mm. uh, but it was um, instead delivered to Mission Australia to develop a, a Ubuid pot restaurant that uh, I couldn't afford to eat in. Tony set up for the fat blacks and uh, the new wealth that's moved into our community. Is that up on Gertrude? So, yeah, so I, and I did say to them, you have disrespected the Archie Roach name by calling it Charcoal Lane Restaurant mm. and that, you know, having no sense of shame, you know. So um, I was promised the building five years ago from the CEO of the Aboriginal Health Service at the time. Oh, well, it only lasts five years, Jack. But then again, you know, you're talking to an ex-crim. I can't see why Dickie Wynne and the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs or Yarra Council would ever take me serious. Right. They haven't for the last 13 years. They yeah. haven't. Bastardy the Doggo didn't work. Jack Charles versus the Crown didn't work. You know, the photographs that they bought from Rod McNichol, you know, here in 303 Smith Street mm. hasn't worked. You know, will Jack Charles versus the Crown, the book, work on them. I don't think it will. It's late now. You know, I am simply seeking a building. I want, I've got, I'll mm. find three peppercorns. There's a peppercorn tree somewhere, yeah. you know, that I can get three peppercorns and I want to give them to the Yarra Council or Shep and Marupna Council to, uh, to be given a building for 99 years. We yeah. still work in that fashion, yeah. To, for, to also through the Archie Roach Foundation or just for your... Um, no, 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 you know... To it, run these yes. programs. And, and, and set up through the Archie Roach Foundation too, yeah. I speak, on behalf of the Archie Roach because that's the backing. Yes. I have some validity now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, will they take me seriously enough because I am a, you know, a member of the Archie Roach Foundation. Yeah. You know, contributing some of my own money towards some of the, uh, you know, to give some... Uh, at the um, NEMA Awards recently up in Darwin. Yeah. yeah. You know, I donated six grand of that. Yeah. You know, so two years, two, uh, 2,000 each year will be going for three years. We'll be going to uh, a certain people to support their uh, yeah. rise and rise in the music 
uh, industry. Yeah. So we did that up in Darwin recently. And that. But there's the, the kind of fathership leadership that Archie and I have within yeah. us. You know, we were allowed when we arrived in Darwin to visit those Dondale kids. They were in a disused men's prison, dirty, filthy, not really set up for young ones. Mm. And then, but against the odds, uh, there they were struggling. And also to uh, another section of the jail where the difficult ones were were housed and that. Very hard to reach them. Uh, but we did. Archie sang them a song mm. and I spoke to them. But I had sent up Bastardy the Doco to the jail and said, perhaps these guys need to see this. Perhaps mm. the teacher mm. needs to uh, Google me up and find out who I am and give them a heads up and yeah. on Uncle Jack Charles and Archie Roach, they're coming in and that. So basically we went there. They hadn't shown the doco, you know, and, um, uh, um, but um, they'd seen Archie on telly and that and seen me, you know, some mm. of them, uh, not the hardcore ones mm. and that. And it was really hard to break through to them, but it really teared up Archie and that. We felt very fatherly towards these lost souls because, yeah. you know, the Larrakia people still are struggling, the elders are still are struggling to access these kids they're not set up in a in a proper, you know, yeah, uh, unit, right? Uh, dedicated towards um, um, housing them, uh, but also to um, um, bring them back from the brink into culture, law, yeah, and living in modern day society. Mm. And, and that, that connectivity and belonging is yeah, so important yeah. for for people to avoid. But those I remember other Adam Giles and um, yeah. you know uh, Best Price. Uh, saying uh, that, no, they, they should be just left in there, mm. left, you know, dig a hole and leave them in there. Okay. He's living in Victoria now, hiding down here. Right. Uh, I've seen him, you know. I'm a whistleblower. You know, in this book, there's many times I'm whistling along there merrily. Yeah. Dobbing in people, dobbing in stories, telling stories. Yeah. I'm a nosy Parker. I'm a, I'm a tell all, you know. Yeah. I'm in that unique position. This is what fathers do. Yeah, yeah. This is what elder state people do, you know. So you you were in that position in, in your last time in jail, and that and that awoke in you this. Yeah, that, that awoke. So relit, part of I like to say in there, it's relit the, the burning embers of my locked up, fucked up, grogged up, drugged up dreamings. Yeah, yeah. that's a beautiful line. Yeah, yeah, that, it you know? is, and and so that becomes your then then the the idea of becoming this person that you have become and are becoming. Yeah, yeah. To to uh, support and encourage and play a father-like role, an elder yeah, role, yeah, yeah. and to have, to have had that realisation in prison and then come out and make that happen yeah. so as effectively as you have is, is one of the great transformations. And stories. weirdly, you know, equating it yeah. with my Bible studies from the Box Hill Boys Home. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was so whitewashed I wanted to be the donkey at one stage carrying That's Jesus right. over to palm leaves. What a silly <laughs> b Billy I was. You know. I'll but always see the point you was, you know, this is what... A father figure like me has to do yeah. to be up front, to be there yeah. and to su make suggestions. Yeah. Dads do this continually to their children. Yeah. And that I wish I had a father figure. Yeah. And that, but uh, no, no, we had bigger boys that yeah. was always leading us astray even when I left the home and that and, yeah. you know, started to But you've, you've now found out who your actual father is. Though, now I found out. He was, so I was born out of... Uh, you know, out of wedlock, uh, mm. uh, you know, um, um, uh, um, she was 15. So, so I was born out of carnal knowledge, mm. basically. And she had 13 of us, wow. two dying at uh, birth. Mm. And between myself and Esme, there are eight years. Right. Okay. Is that the biggest gap? Yes, that's the biggest yeah. gap. Yeah, wow. So, so two dying at birth and the other six... Still missing, never accounted for. Yeah, right. Now, really strange is that, uh, you know, um, we were burying David Numanjara up Karatha, the cemetery. Mm. Some old ladies from Roeburn came up to me and said, Mr. Charles, you should come to Roeburn. We have some Charleses there. Mm. So I suspect my missing siblings, six, ah. are over there. Right. How's that? Wow. 
you know. Truly country, spanning the country. Yes, yes. You said well, something about Broome in here. Huh? Have you got family in Broome? Uh, no, no. I, I, I said I will go to Broome as a base. Right. And um, you go up to um, uh, up to um, um, I, I, I'm going to try and get to Ningley's uh, funeral. Ah, uh, yeah, on the third right. of October or something. Right. And I might make that uh, to now that I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, I might make that uh, dedicated journey to go to uh, to to be there for a Ningley uh, yep. funeral, yeah. uh, but also to uh, undertake that kill two birds with one stone. Go into Rayburn and find out these Charles who find they are. Find some more family. Half a dozen yeah, siblings. Yeah, yeah my siblings, but, my missing siblings. Well, you know, I have a profound sense of piss-offedness that, uh, that the system was that, uh, you know, big families were often divided and taken, you know, at, yeah. under the assimilation policy, all the babies were taken and uh, were taken and flung far and wide, mm. even in the state, mm. you know, in the 40s, Incredible. 50s. And, and you're then, still going to find each other. And uh, yeah, well, well, you know, but uh, it, we always do. You yeah, know, the idea yeah. that my last, you know, Esme and Eva Joe on a tram over in Flemington Road, <laughs> they come down. Uh, they had a house. Esme had a house off Flemington Road, and that, and so, uh, and Eva Joe lived over in Heidelberg, but they were, she was staying at. Um, uh, Esme's place, so they had kids, mm, mm. and so they jumped on the tram to come into the city, and uh, at the next stop along Flemington Road where the flats are, this grumpy uh, little girl got on with her two kids too, and they sat opposite each other, and then Esme, they looked at each other, and they, Esme had the gumption to say, excuse me, uh, um, I'm Esme, and... Uh, this is my sister, Eva, Eva Joe, Charles, we are. I said, what's your name? I said, oh, Christine, I'm Charles right. too. Oh, we thought you were Zenith, she said. Yeah, yeah. And now you mean Zenith. She thought it was Zenith, Z-E-N-I-T-H. Right. You know. As opposed to the Aboriginal name. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and uh, she said, no, it's Zenith. Uh, we've been looking for you. Oh, wow. On the tram. <laughs> Just like on a tram. Crazy. This happens right across the country. So often, so many people, you know, at a shopping mall yeah. or a train or a community. God, it's so important yeah. <coughs> for, our, for us to all hear these stories yeah. and just get an idea of, yeah. well, number one, it gives you an idea of how a culture can yeah. continue for the yeah, longest yeah. ever in I, the history of the world, but also this this strength to Such sort of Such is this, that strength of... Uh, Wanting to connect is that often, wherever I am, yeah. I'm approached by young men, and uh, not often by women, girls, that, uh, by men, uh, and saying, um, oh, you're my uncle, Unc, you know, <laughs> and that, you know, I don't know from Bar of Soap. I'm a Charles, I'm a Charles. I'm wow. Shep and Marubna, you know, all that, oh, Yorta Yorta, and Yichuka, and all that, you know, all right, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, and they're compelled to rush up and... You know, yeah, and tell that tell me who they are, and that. But by your behaviour and yeah. by your what you give, you are a father to yes, and, and relative yeah. to all of these yeah. uh, people that come to you anyway. So mm. even if people aren't literally, yes, yeah. it wouldn't matter. Yes, you yeah. know, in so many ways, <laughs> it's such a great book, Born Again Blackfella. Born Again um, Blackfella, because yeah. I am as passionate as a born again Christian. Yeah, you know, yeah, about what. Uh, Jimmy Berg's Curry Heritage Trust has yeah. given unto me. Yeah. Even here, I even say it, he unto me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I take a lot of stock. Yeah. You know, my, you know, education with the Bible studies and et cetera has stood me in good stead. Yeah, yeah. You know, going up against a, my would-be, could-be gangster cousin, the, you know, gangsters up there in the Smith Street strip, mm. you know. I didn't exactly turn the other cheek, you know. No. They called me a dog many times and that, you know. Yeah. I'd round on them like a dog and yeah. I would bark at them, you know, <laughs> with some words that would seriously make them want to come back and hit me, right. which they did, or uh, walk away in disgust. I was trying to foster something that's been missing in their lives. Yeah. I mean, I'm clean. Yeah. So, you know, I'm talking to people that are highly addicted and highly strung out. Yeah. On a um, amphetamines, amphetamines, and yeah, yeah. and uh, ice, and etc. Mm. And it's very hard to break through. But the point was 
that uh, I kept doing it. Mm. You know, yeah. and like um, like the original like JC, a parent. like the original parent. JC did. Just, have, you just, have just to. keep on telling yeah. the story. Well, you, you know? can model yourself on that a bit. Well, know? I have. Yeah, uh, you know, so I am the a... JC, the great JC Brown, like the original one. And you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> same hairdo, same beard. Same beard. <laughs> <laughs> and and your story is so important. Well, you it know, is. Like I the, believe the, the it is. Yes, yes, the, yes. And, and that's as an actor, as an artist, and. The, the, the narrative that you can pass to people and tell people mm. is so important. I, I know for, you know, like with, with people trying to recover from addiction and stuff, mm. being able to look at a clear story of someone yep. that proves that you are the credible person yep. that you say and you've come through all this stuff mm. is so vital. You, you to see a lot of too late syndrome. It's too late yeah. for me. You yeah. must see that a bit. Yeah, I do. I do see it, yeah. And uh, I bring them back from the – I bring them back. Yeah. Oh, that's great, man. It's so great to have yeah. you, Jack. Oh, it's been it's good, mate, talking yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'll sign your book before I go. Yes, please do. And it was, so, like I said, the, to have you in my, my play was such an honour. Oh, it was um, great, mate. We worked four to, years to, on that, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I remember you coming over to, to our old place in Abbotsford when yes. Sammy was just a baby. And, That's right, yes, Because yes. I saw Bastardy through Missy, obviously. And, yeah, and course, I thought. Yes. And I immediately, because of your story, yeah. I knew you'd get the the addiction stuff, the the um, and bring this sort of solid dignity to the centre of the thing, and mm. and um, and so it was great to then be able to call you up. Yeah. I said to Missy, "Have you got his number? Yeah. I want to just see if he'll do this." Like I thought <laughs> there wasn't much chance, but then you came around and talked about it with me for for years and did those developments. So yeah, yeah, no, no, great... no, and basically because you know. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a good thing to give back because Missy had uh, yeah had got me into the motherfucking country in the first place in England. I had not been knocked <laughs> back, you know, four days before flying out there. I bought oh. a Butte brand new passport, you know. To and Sheffield was the place to showcase your documentary yeah. in a European setting. Oh, okay, and that and I was really, you know, I forgot that I had a criminal record. Yeah. So um, you know, they knocked me back four days before flying. And so, you know, Missy heard word of this and um, she does as any other rocker does, call up another rocker, and the rocker happened to be Peter Garrett. Peter Garrett, <laughs> I thought that <laughs> was, might be Peter He befuddled with that oil spill over at the Timor Sea at yes. the time. Yeah. So, believe it or not, my first entry into my brand-new U-Butte passport 100-point item ID and that says, leave to enter the UK without rules. Wow. You Ooh, can't yeah. beat that. No, <laughs> that's can't. pretty good. You know? I told Peter, you, I saw him backstage at something. He was did a duet with Missy at the Spiegel tent, the same Spiegel tent. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. On the TV. And I said that you were, you were, we were in rehearsal for the show and he was asking how you were and, was, yeah. and reminding me of that thing. But it's, it's weird talking to Peter Garrett because he's so Peter Garrett. Yeah. Like he looks, he's so tall and yeah, bald. Yeah, I get and a he, cricket in the neck looking up and yeah, he's Yeah, and it's like this is this iconic <laughs> yeah. guy and I'm, and I'm talking to him and I remembered suddenly when I was in high school in like year 10, I was like 15 and doing a Peter Garrett impression with a, <laughs> with a swimming cap on my head <laughs> singing some song and, and it suddenly flashed back to me while I was talking oh, to him. No. It's like I totally forgot what I was talking about. Oh, I remember Bo- very Bo- embarrassing. Bo- Molly Meldrum gave me a record with a cinema voucher for dancing in a suburban nightclub. Like really? Peter Garrett. Like Peter Garrett. <laughs> to, to a, to oh, a good on you, Molly. That, that's nice. That's so good weird. of him. He was DJing. I but, you know, I, I'm, I'm very grateful. Yeah, yeah. For uh, yeah. for uh, Missy and uh, Peter Garrett to uh, allow that. Uh, it was the forerunner of, uh, of many overseas tours over there, uh, you know, after thereafter. I knew many people in the department, DFAT, had worked behind the lines. Mm. Uh, to get me over there, you know, it was fantastic to even get into New York. Uh, I got a waiver. I'm amazed you got into America. Yeah, well, the, uh, any... the American uh, embassy upside. down here. Yeah, and said, "Oh, Mr. Charles, we do have your criminal record here, <laughs> Mr. Charles. Mr. Charles, there's an incident here, policeman and a knife. What went wrong?" And I said, "Oh, you'll have to Google Google me up for that one." <laughs> And then I arrived from Toronto into New York. I'm directed to the second gate where the usual suspects like me go. 
And there's a big black American on the rise, his customer's place, he's on his mobile, he's put, oh, Mr. Charles, I'm respecting you, sit over there. So I sat over there and I started to take all the paperwork out of my dilly bag, letters that people had written on my behalf. I think Messing was one of the, you know, Magnus Kavinsky, Jeffrey Rush, even the Victorian police. I placed it on the top of the, the all the other letters so I wanted to... Proudly, you know, pulling him out of my dilly bag and he spots me. He says, no, I don't want to see any paperwork, Mr. Charles. Come here. So I go there and then looking up and, he, Mr. Charles, look, I've been, I've been Googling you. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to have led an amazing life, Mr. Charles. I admire what you've done, where oh. you're going, what you're doing. Welcome to New York. Enjoy. That's great. Just like that. Wow. So I'm. Um, Eminently Googleable. Yeah, yeah, that helps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so that's the the lesson is mm. you know that um, uh, for me is that um, I have so many friends, fans, of, of supporters mm. uh, that um, it's um, um, beyond my ken that I could ever you know regress. Yeah, I yeah, could yeah. Never ever believe you know. And I am, you know, I treat my life as though I'm, uh, religiously, as though I'm, uh, you know, I'm it. Yeah. You know, I have, this is the ultimate of roles that I could ever perform. Yeah. yeah. It's you know, amazing. to be the leading black light, the beacon, you know, shining, you know. It's very important. And I, and I hope you and Uncle Archie have, a, have some... some... Some better, successes. better outcomes with the prison stuff and yes, getting, yes, and getting it's, your it's, building it's, and stuff it's, like it's that. It's new, but uh, I think part of the, the process with this yeah. new transitioning to, uh, you know, having our own uh, uh, treaty with Daniel Andrews' government, uh, I'll convince the others uh, when I have uh, a meeting, with, when we do have our meetings, mm. that we ought to uh, start pushing for the Hep C magic pill to be unrolled in our prisons and new detention centres. People yeah. are coming out with blood-borne diseases. So let's convince the government, you know, because our own services won't do it now. So because uh, I think the private prisons, you know, would say see that as being racist. Right. <laughs> if if they're an indigenous, you know, health service. I am the picture perfect. I'm the poster boy for the Hep C program, the magic pill. Yeah. You know, so I'm it. You know. Yeah. Right. And we have through obituary theatre, we've been going into into jails with a, a new one just recently. Uh, I forget what it's called now, but it's dedicated towards educating the masses within jails, schools. Yeah. Uh, you know, a um, a um, half-hour performance piece on uh, the Hep C. Right. And the possibility of having it erased completely, even if you're using. So, you know, I've talked That's many nice. of the ones here, you know, and my flat stand there at um, uh, the House of Welcome and... And then St. Vincent, uh, uh, the, these places I talk and, uh, you know, mm. convince people. He says, uh, do you know if you've got hep C? He <laughs> says, no. Well, you, you, you get some blood taken and see if you have, you know. Yeah, yeah. And if you have, you know, they've got it at the Smith I mean, the Brunswick Street Medical Service there, yeah. the magic pill. Mm. Undertake that and within a month you can uh, have the virus killed, even if you're using still. It used to be a really brutal process. Didn't yes, it? yes. But it's, um, is it improved? Uh, the, uh, yeah, I forget what it's called. Romerill went through it and nearly yeah. killed him. Yeah, yeah. And then somebody suggested that you know, for me not to do it myself, you know. Yeah. You've got too much of a dicky heart, Jack. You, you know, it'll kill you. Yeah, right. You know, so I said, all right, I won't, you know. So, and then this other thing came This out. other thing came oh, and I like... jumped on it immediately. And uh, I was so impressed with it, uh, you know, talking it up so much. Yeah. At the Vic Vars, Victorian Aboriginal Health Service, that they, you know, elected me to be uh, their mm. picture poster boy. But Cancer Council have also used me mm. and my bike in, uh, in a commercial to um, uh, to talk uh, and to uh, um, to entice people to seriously mm. think about um, um, about their mums, about their, their bums, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, about. Um, 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 uh, bowel cancer. Yeah. Before uh, we go, though, just to the the, the mum thing. Uh, uh, mum means bum. Yeah. Okay. And, oh, did and, you know that? And, but, did you not know that? Tell him about well, our you know, beloved festival. Yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> the City Fathers, many years ago, had asked two of the most activist of brothers, Eric and Bill Onus. Yes. 
to coin a phrase for Melbourne intended to have for a festival. Uh. So they went away and they came back and they said, look, call it Moomba. It means let's get together and have fun. Yes. <laughs> but it's a descriptive word. We were laughing our tits off all along the East <laughs> That's Coast. That's great. You know, it means bum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mum. And when you say Moomba, there's something up your bum. <laughs> uh, Do you know, I, I heard that rumour well, probably in the, in the late 70s. Yeah, well, that's true. And it was outed then. It was yeah, outed then, yeah. seven years after. But Melburnians love their Moombas. Yeah. <laughs> they absolutely adore their Moombas. Yeah. And at one stage, they've asked me to be their queen or king and that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So... When they ask again, I will. You know, yeah. Now that I'm in my dojis, I can do anything now. Yeah. Uh, Go naked one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Well, thanks, Jack. It's, oh, it's, uh, it's a such pleasure. a pleasure to have Talk you in. To I'm, you I'm, yeah. it's, I'm so glad the book's out now, and, and um, I, I wonder who's going to play you in the movie. <laughs> who's going to play the young you? <laughs> That's right, the new movie. I'm going to throw a link to that book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and all, wherever it's released and all yeah. Jack's stuff in the show notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. thanks a million, mate. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. Yeah. yeah. Been a pleasure. <laughs> oh. Oh. That awesome podcast was recorded at Castaway Studios in Collingwood. Here, we provide affordable, accessible, professional podcasting production facilities to the full range of podcasters, all the way from basic studio hire right through to full season production packages. You can get us on castawaycollingwood at gmail.com or just look up Castaway Studios on all the social medias.